I was a very curious child. I uh, was obsessed with how things work and come home and take the toolbox out of the cupboard and break everything. I realized kind of, you know, that my engineering was only going so far and I wanted to help people with my engineering. And my time in India completely transformed my life. Or washing by hand causes a lot of back pain, a lot of skin irritation, takes a lot of time and it uses a lot of water. And so we've created this crank handle washing machine that you use your hand to rotate. You're not interacting with detergent or soap. You're not doing that repetitive motion. It saves around 50% of water. So the washing machine project is registered as a community interest company here in the UK. We also have a charitable arm called the TWMP Foundation. One-off donations from everyday people giving what they can, whether it's a, a machine or, you know, a hundred machines, you know, it's any, every little, little helps. Welcome to Mindful Businesses presented by Sarani and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands that are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic and environmental practices. How do you keep a promise to a friend, a friend that you made thousands of miles away from home? Navjot Sony had taken a year sabbatical, quitting his job from the top design firm Dyson and went to India as a volunteer with Engineers Without Borders to a small village in Tamil Nadu, designing cooking stoves. He saw firsthand the tough lives of the women who were overworked with domestic chores. He came back to London, but he did not forget the promise that he made his friend Divya to design her a hand-cranked washing machine. She spent about two hours a day washing her clothes. This machine would reduce the time to half an hour to 40 minutes. He went to the drawing board and sketched out and designed a washing machine that used 50% less water, far less detergent, did not require electricity, basically off the grid, and best of all, it cost only 50 pounds. His innovation was soon accepted by Oxfam and other NGOs that now help distribute the machine worldwide. His goal? was to reduce the burden of his friend Devia and other women around the world. Raised by strong women, Navjot understood how empowering women can have an impact on their families and the communities that they live in. Navjot Sani, founder of the Washing Machine Project. He joins us from London, UK. Welcome, Navjot. Thank you for having me, Vidya. Women worldwide, on an average, spend twice as many hours per day doing unpaid household chores. This is even after many of them work outside the home. The burden of the household chores don't reduce proportionately. This is in um, societies where the women have a more traditional role and in other societies where women are considered to be equal bread earners. Yeah, I mean, if we just talk about COVID in general, I know that during uh, the last couple of years, domestic violence has been on the rise. It's increased by 50%. If you are a woman going through conflicts or war zone, you are more likely to face discrimination, 
unpaid labor, a lot of the burdens associated to conflict if you're a woman. We also know that research has found that once you get to that refugee camp and you're going to a latrine, to the bathroom, there's a correlation between the distance between a male latrine and a woman's latrine and gender-based violence, meaning that if your latrine as a woman was placed next to a man's latrine, you're more likely to suffer gender-based violence. So all of these things are compounding inequality that's, that's been observed like no other, and that all leads to things like unpaid labor, and that's the kind of aspect that we're, we're trying to tackle. Mm-hmm. 70% of the world's population don't have access to an electric washing machine, and this, this burden of hand-washing clothes is disproportionately placed on women. You were born and raised in UK. Yes, yeah, I was born in, in the 90s to a, a father who was born during the partition, fled with only clothes on his back. My mother was born in Mumbai. They fell in love in London. And they had three kids. I have two older sisters. So yeah, my father died when I was very young and I was surrounded by women my whole life. So I knew the importance of women from a very, very young age. Very strong Punjabi women, I must say. Yeah, my mum is amazing. She's a, a force of nature and she taught me so much about how the world works, how women run the world and the importance of women in the household. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Exactly. So you are a design engineer by profession. Tell us a little bit about your career. I was a very curious child. I uh, was obsessed with how things worked. My father was an aerospace engineer. He'd take me to air shows and I'd be fascinated with how these big aircrafts would be in the sky. I'd then come home and take the toolbox out of the cupboard and I used to break everything and I used to really make my mum quite angry. And I've always broken everything around me and not been able to put it back together again. But that kind of really spared my imagination for engineering and, and the curiosity of how things work. You worked for Dyson and Jaguar and these are like design powerhouses. Yeah, so I graduated and joined Dyson's graduate program within two weeks of graduation and I was there for three years. And it was amazing. I learned a lot about design, but I realized that every bit of good engineering that I'm doing is you know, essentially making a vacuum cleaner for a rich person. And I wanted to help people with my engineering. So I decided to quit my job and go volunteer overseas in Tamil Nadu to make cook stoves. And yeah, I came back. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about what happened in India, but I came back and I joined Jaguar Land Rover. Talk about the Dyson, the design graduate program. What exactly is that? As a graduate, a lot of people are interested in right now is um, going to a company that nurtures your talent and then moves you to different areas of the business and you take on different projects. It's a two-year graduate program and you essentially get to work in the kind of heart of this amazing organization, start some really cool projects and get to present your ideas. And um, within a couple of weeks of joining Dyson, uh, you know, I was working on some really, really cool stuff that, you know, no one has seen the light of day of. And For instance, give us an example of something that you designed there and which hasn't, like you say, seen the light of the day. Yeah, so, I mean, still under NDA, so I'm not allowed to talk about my time at Dyson, but I was working on vacuum cleaners, I was working on hair dryers and, and other appliances that are yet to come out. So, uh, yeah, it was really exciting to be a part of the uh, organization at the time. So how long did you work at Dyson? I was there for three and a half years. And then you went to India? 
Correct. Yeah, I was in India. I realized kind of, you know, that my engineering was only going so far and I wanted to help people with my engineering. And that's why I decided to quit my job and I moved to South India to make cook stoves for an NGO that I called Prakti and the engineers of Borders UK. So I moved to rural Tamil Nadu. How did you decide to do that? What was the trigger? All of us want to have an impact on this planet, want to do good. But to quit a well-paying, very prized job like Dyson and going to India, what happened? What made you do that? I think uh, I've always been wary of time. Maybe it was because of uh, a, a death so early on in my life, quite a close death. I always knew the value of time. And, you know, we don't have very much time on this planet. Every minute is so important. And I wanted to make an impact for as long as I can, you know. And at the time, I, I really wanted to come back to Dyson. So I was going to spend a year in India and come back. For one reason or another, they, they didn't have a a policy in place to allow people back into the company and uh, I was devastated. I really didn't want to quit my job because it was security but it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So what did your mum have to say about it? She wouldn't have been very pleased, right? Yeah, she hated it. She was not supportive at all and uh, she's now my biggest supporter and biggest fan so it's really interesting how things turn around, right? Talk about your time at Jaguar Land Rover, another very cool company in terms of design and innovation. I came back from India and I needed money. It was funny actually, when I was applying for jobs, I was moving out of Dyson no matter what, and I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And I applied for Jaguar Land Rover for a role. They offered me it, but I didn't take it. I decided to go to India. I came back from India and I joined Jaguar Land Rover straight away, and there I received you know, a salary, but I also received the support to pursue my own personal projects. Mm -hmm. And that was what was really, really great, that Jagulandro was such a nurturing environment where I could do things like the washing machine project. Yeah, I know big companies like even Google have time off for their employees to pursue their impact projects, innovations projects, anything creative. I'm assuming Jaguar has similar policies in place to nurture their employees. I think loads of companies have CSO initiatives nowadays, right? Where their current employees want to make impact. And now companies are introducing like two paid charity days and, and things like that. So that's an example of how Jaguar supports. And how long were you with Jaguar Land Rover? About four years. But you never forgot about your time in India? No, 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 no. I was, my time in India completely transformed my life. How so? So when I arrived in India, I, my mom is born in Mumbai. I speak Hindi and Punjabi. And I, I thought living in Tamil Nadu would be fine. But they speak a different language. They eat different food. And I looked totally different to the average Tamil. I felt completely out of my depth, out of my comfort zone. And um, I wanted to leave straight away. But I realized that there's so much need there. Like the village I was in, there was, it was just, I took for granted so many different things, you know, just running water or lighting or, you know, foraging for wood to cook food. These are things that rural people in villages who don't have very much have to experience every day. And I learned so much from my time there. 
And Tamil Nadu is one of the more affluent states in India. And they speak Tamil, which is different than the Punjabi or Hindi that you speak. It's a different script. It's a non-Sanskrit derived language. So it was completely different than anything you had experienced in terms of food or even culture. Yeah, it was is um fascinating and I learned so much. We were making cook stoves at the time when I was there. I um we would have an idea on Monday, we would prototype that idea on Tuesday, and on Wednesday we'd have this idea that we prototyped in the field testing with akkas meaning sisters by thursday would get feedback on our design and that kind of iteration you you don't get from sitting in your house in in london you know i really found being in the heart of everything that mm-hmm. that happens really valuable and i also found a lot of value in, in sitting in places where there was lots of problems because i was really inspired to create solutions for these people fast forward now post jaguar what happened how did you end up starting the washing machine project my next door neighbor a lady called divya changed my life this is in tamil nadu during your time in india correct exactly i was in tamil nadu i was there for a year making cook stoves and i was living in rural villages and uh, i had a next door neighbor called divya she was a 30 something stay at home mom she learnt english in high school which she spoke perfectly and she never used since because she never worked or never felt the need to use her english she wanted to work but just didn't have the time because she was either standing in line for water or foraging for wood to cook her food or hand washing her clothes you know every single moment of divya's life was a burden of some sort and uh, we became very good friends and i promised her a manual washing machine and that's that was on the back of you know seeing her wash her clothes for 20 hours a week on her hands and knees back breaking work just incredibly burdensome activity and i, I promised her a manual washing machine and yeah i started the washing machine project when i came back to the uk in 2018 so most of these women would probably go to the village well or to the neighborhood water pump to collect water bring it back to their homes and wash it there or go to the nearby stream to wash their clothes yeah it varies from village to village and access to water varies as well and in the village i was staying in you could get access to your house but it would only be switched on uh, once a day at 6am and you would have to store that water in a tank and that would be your water for the day i never used to wake up at 6am so I always used to find myself out out of water and never have enough water. And I used to see women running around with pots and pans and anything that they get their hands on to store this water. So the water anxiety was quite prevalent and real. And um for people who were hand washing clothes that they'd have to either go to the river or spring or wash outside their house. Talk about your manual washing machine project inspired by your friend Devya Describe it to us. The aspect of washing by hand causes a lot of back pain, a lot of skin irritation, takes a lot of time, and it uses a lot of water. So these are the three problems: back pain, joint pain, skin irritation, water, water use, and time. And so we've created this crank handle 
washing machine that you use your hand to rotate. It's manual, so it means no electricity completely off the grid. And uh, you sit parallel to it and you rotate the machine. It's a front-loaded washing machine. It looks, feels, sounds like a washing machine. It's got a drum inside a drum and uh, it's got 5 kg drum capacity. So unlike the Americans who have twin tubs, it's a, it's a kind of European water-efficient type washing machine. Mm-hmm. What's also quite interesting is that it, it's got a spin-dry function as well. So it spins you know, up to 70% of the water out of the clothes and also it's easily maintainable so you can take it apart and fix it and so that's really important for us and finally trying to be as affordable as possible so you know our target is to produce this for 50 pounds which is i think 75 to 80 dollars hand cranked washing machines existed 60 80 years ago right yeah they did yeah and how did you innovate or how is yours different than the traditional hand cranked washing machines yeah there are many other washing machines out there that are manual and hand cranked or foot pump foot pedal and things like that and they're they're really cool and they're quite popular as well but they're really designed and developed and manufactured for richer economies in the us canada the uk europe they're designed for like eco-conscious environmentalists who choose to live off the grid. And so we're in a kind of unique position where we're trying to build something that's affordable, specifically designed and developed for larger families in the humanitarian setting. That's the unique element, as well as the washing and drying by hand and it being very affordable. Is there any difference in the design? You know, yours has a spin function. Are there any changes or any improvements that you've made over the traditional design? Our changes are specifically serving the purpose for our beneficiaries, for the people that use our machine. And technology in the gearbox, for example, and the the lifters of the machine. So that's where the unique elements are. How long would a person need to crank this machine? Traditionally, you would hand wash your clothes for up to two hours at a time for about 5 kg of Clothes, we're saying that you could use around half an hour to 45 minutes of time compared to hand-washing clothes. So, And plus you don't have the harsh chemicals on your hands. Yeah, yeah you, you're not interacting with detergent or soap. You're not doing that re- repetitive motion. There's no force being placed on your hands. Is the water consumption a little less in your innovation compared to, say, hand-washing? Yeah, it is. So it saves around 50% of water. So from 60 litres all the way to 30 litres. Mm-hmm. So in some places this is not important, but in some there are, it's a matter of life and death. And f- certainly for our for the next you know 50 years and on planet Earth, I think water security is going to be really important. The really important feature is that this doesn't need electricity. So in places where, say, it's hard to get electricity. For instance, I think you've supplied the washing machine to refugee camps. Yeah, I've just come back from Lebanon, where I was last week, and the country is going through a water crisis, an energy crisis, a fuel crisis, and, you know, electricity is only switched on for a certain number of hours a day, which means even if you have an electric washing machine, 
you know, you're not going to be able to use it for large parts of your day. Mm-hmm. So in refugee camps, this is even more exasperated because they don't have access to generators or UPS or backup power. And, and so, you know, a lot of these people are left in the dark for large parts of the day. And so that's why it's really important for us really to tackle and, and pilot refugee camps first. The Washing Machine Project is a non-profit. So the Washing Machine Project is registered as a community interest company here in the UK. We also have a charitable arm called the TWMP Foundation. What is a community interest company? A community interest company, or a CIC as it's called here in the UK, is a for-profit social enterprise, but assets and are locked into the organization and also you have to have a social purpose and driven by the mission of the community and so that's our model the manual washing machines that we produce are extremely extremely cheap and we know that there's a market for consumers that buy manual washing machines for five times the cost that we're making them so that's not in our interest we're here to drive down the cost and pass on the benefits to the consumer that's really why we're why we're focused on delivering the best solution to the people that need them the most your washing machine can be used for any kind of fabric yes it can and it, it was important to us to have that versatility in using any type of detergent or any type of fabric so do you sell them i know they're affordable priced much lower than a similar washing machine. So do you sell them or do you distribute them through your nonprofit arm, your foundation? Yeah, we um, operate through the purchase of the machine by agencies like Oxfam, the United Nations, WaterAid, who, who buy our machines and then distribute them for free. We have distributed about 150 machines right now, but we've had about 2,000 pre-orders. So we're in this kind of limbo period of post-pilot pre-scale-up phase where we're you know looking for contract manufacturers that could make this for cheap and scalable where are the machines manufactured right now they're manufactured in the uk in uh, south wales in a workshop there could it be manufactured closer to your customers absolutely so that's our next ambitions to really um Uh, We want to manufacture in India, so that's where we're going to be scaling up our efforts. So that may help you bring the cost down further, do you think? Absolutely, yeah. We're um, we're wanting to drive down the production cost by manufacturing locally, by empowering people to manufacture with us. Any good intention is not possible without adequate funding. Where did you get the funding for your project? Were you self-funded? Yeah, I mean, in the first six months, I was funding the project and research for myself. So I would um, pay at the back of my pocket money. Then we got some funding from Oxfam, who were kind enough to send us some money to pilot the project in Iraq. And then slowly, slowly, that's been spiraling and um, snowballing. And now we've you know, benefited from over 1,500 donations right across the world and large corporate sponsors with the likes of Electric Components or RS Components in the US. And yeah, they've been amazing. People donate to your foundation and then that helps you your CIC? Correct. Yeah. 
and not only corporations, you also take donations from individuals. Correct, yeah. So one off donations from everyday people giving what they can, whether it's a, a machine or, you know, a hundred machines, you know, it's any every little little helps. You said you were post launch and in the stage where you're scaling very rapidly, almost tenfold or more. What do you expect the impact of your project to be, say, in two or three years? We want a positive impact uh, about 100,000 people over the next two years, save a million liters of water and indirectly benefit even more and more people with the greater agency and, and dignity of clean clothes. In our podcast, we try to steer as much as possible away from faith and politics. But being a person of Indian origin, I cannot underplay the giving and the generosity of the Sikhs worldwide. The Sikhs in New York, when there was pandemic and people were sick, the Sikhs were out there cooking for thousands of uh, patients, thousands of homeless people. And this is when nobody was willing to leave their house. They were going around distributing. And same, you know, in Bombay when there were floods in the 2000s. Nobody asked them. It's just they come out and they help in every way that it is possible. And all this, various communities give back, but they usually give back with the intention of increasing their fellowship in their temples or gurudwaras or churches or mosques. Why is the Sikh community so unique, just so giving? It's a pretty loaded question, huh? I'm not a spokesperson for the Sikh community, and I, I really can't attest for the general giving, but, you know, Sikh fundament, Sikhs fundamentally believe in seva, which means selfless service, and that's how I've been brought up, and, you know, that's what I want to continue to do whilst I'm on this earth of ours. What are the future projects? Maybe a solar-driven washing machine where people don't even have to crank the washing machine? Over the next 10 to 20 years, I want to become the Dyson of the humanitarian world. And I want to have a range of different products that have high impact and completely transform the lives of the end user. And so whether that's off-the-grid lighting or refrigeration or, you know, something else. And, uh, you know, there are plans for washing machines that we produce that are semi-automatic and automatic as well in the future. So we'll see how it goes. Thank you so much, Nav, for coming on Mindful Businessing. Wishing you all the creativity and best in all the ventures that the Washing Machine Project has for us. Thank you for having me, Vidya. Appreciate it. You're listening to Mindful Businesses, hosted and produced by Vidya Ayer. We would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note with your questions or comments to mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send an email to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you learned a thing or two from this episode, share it with one friend. We recorded this podcast in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 
theme music composed by Tatum Gale. Our marketing assistant is Caitlin Milligan. Our advisors are Jim Stone and Anupama Pasricha. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses.